Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. The chains are gone. We have an offering to bring before him. I think of it there in Revelation 5 when all of those there gathered around the throne and saw his great triumph as he took the book and loosed the seals. And they took their crowns and they cast them at his feet. Maybe our crown of victory doesn't look large, doesn't look big, but whatever, I want something. I want something to be able to throw at his feet that day and say, you are king of kings and Lord of lords. You are my God. Amen. I want that kind of testimony. Amen. Do you love the Lord today? Brother Jerry, won't you come down just a moment? Let's just have prayer with you before we start this service today. Brother Jerry's going for surgery coming up. We believe the Lord will be with him. How many believes that? Amen. He's the healer and the deliverer. We believe the Lord Jesus is our deliverer, our Savior, our King. Amen. Jesus knows every heartache, every situation, every problem. And there's no problem too big for him. He's the creator. He can create even bones within the spine, put them back in the right place. He can remove cysts even before the doctor's hand touches you. He's that God. We believe him this morning. We're trusting in him. Father, it's in the name of Jesus. As we come before your throne of grace today. It is you, Lord, that we come to to find help in our time of need. Our brother Jerry is going to be going for surgery. Oh, God, you know. You know the situation. You know the solution. And Lord, you, you will always be the healer. Doctors can cut. Doctors can do this, but doctors can heal. So we're asking, Lord, that you'd even do it. Even before the doctor even has a chance. Lord, that you can just open up every, every, every bone where it comes down. The nerves flow freely. The cyst disappears by the power of the word. We speak against that thing in the name of Jesus. I said there'll be no further complications. The healing will be complete. It's in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for your promise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for this testimony, Lord. We thank you now for this testimony. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hadn't said much about it because I'm just wanting to catch the right moment. But Brother Scott, who just had surgery, and we, are, we had prayer for you, Brother Scott. And, and, uh, but we want to welcome you and Sister Ginger to the church. And we're just really happy to have a, you as a part of us. I hope you feel a part of the family. God bless you. Amen. Let's welcome them with a hand clap. Brother Stephen Conroy's father and mother. We thank the Lord for them. Sending them our way. We appreciate the Lord. For all his goodness to us and his grace in our lives. And he never leaves us and, or forsakes us. He'll always be with us. Amen. He's the God who cares. 
Let's turn to Genesis 18 and verse 9 for our scripture reading this morning, if you will. We'll look at this together, Um, Genesis 18 and verse 9. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will surely return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And of course, I believe this is the time of life where God is appearing to his church. Amen. We, uh, we sang the song, you know, a moment ago, all that is within me cries, you know, that God be glorified and that it's God, uh, God with us. But, you know, we're really entered into a time where it's God in us. Amen. He's not only just God with us, but he's God in us. And he said, I'll never... I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be right there with you to the end of the world. And you look here in this promise here, he said, I will return unto thee. And um, then if you'll turn with me to Revelation 5 and verse 1, we want to read from here, Revelation 5 and verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof. No man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign upon the earth. And then, then run over to Revelation chapter 10 and verse 8. We're going to read from here before you're seated. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, go and take the little book which is open. Notice it was closed in Revelation 5, and no man was worthy to look upon it. But it was taken by the intercessor, the lamb, the mediator between God and man. God became, God became a man that he might as man win back for man that which man lost. So the book of title that man lost, Jesus redeemed it for us as a man for man. Notice he did not need this for God as God because he owns everything. But he needed it, man needed it. He lost the title to the earth, the title to his own earth, his own body. And so there again, um, if you'll look and see at this now, the little book is open. 
And the hand of the angel was standing upon the sea and the earth. And I went unto the angel and said, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it up and it shall be in, make thy belly bitter. It shall be in thy mouth as sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. God bless you, you can be seated. I'm going to speak this morning on Sarah, take the book. Now, you know, we have been, we have been speaking about Sarah because she and Abraham is a prophecy of the church in the last day. So she, of course, is representing the church who is in the last day is to take the book of inheritance uh, and to receive it. But Sarah in the tent, of course, had given up uh, the right to be the mother of the Abrahamic race. Her name was not even to be in the book. Instead, Hagar, an Egyptian slave girl, had taken her place. And if things had continued the way it was, Hagar and not Sarah would be in the Abrahamic book of life. And so now God has to get Sarah in agreement with the word, with the promise of God. And she had to see herself, not some Hagar, but she had to see herself in the book. And she had to believe that it was for her and it was for her age um, to fulfill. And it was her promise to fulfill. Now, she was at an age of time she had actually ran out of time. She was now 90 years old and it already seemed to be too late by all by all sensible thinking or reasonable thinking, it was already too late. And she certainly now at this time cannot push the fulfillment off to another day because um, at 90 years old, there's not a lot of days left. And, and I wanted to say that where we are in time that we are here in the last church age and now this last church age is existed the same amount of time as the first church age of 117 years. And so again, we, we are run out of time. This is the, uh, we, we don't have time for another generation or another set of church ages. You know, everything has reached its end. This is where we are. And uh, so like Sarah, who is, had, was at an age where she had run out of time and it already seemed too late so for us, it almost seems too late that we're way over into overtime somewhere. And of course, we know that as I have spoken services past that with the coming of the Lord, there is that word delay uh, where that men will say, the Lord hath delayed his coming. So that in the very midst of time, there are even junctions of time where seems like nothing is happening for a, for a bit. As I've explained from the time where the angel came to Zechariah and Simeon's prophecy and Anna's prophecy and, and Jesus' birth and all, all of these events that took place. Then for about 30 years, there was nothing happened. 
and um, except a little glimpse that we have of Jesus at the temple at the age of 12. And so, you know, again, when you look at it, there, there will be times of, of where there's great things happening. Uh, as we saw even in the tent revival of Brother Branham's, uh, great things happen and then a lull and then the word break forth and great revelations come forth and then, and then a, a lull and then, you know, revelations strike the bride of Christ and an understanding come and then a lull. And, and you know, so, you know, what, what we must do is not give up on the promise. Amen. Just because that we see a lull or a time of silence or a time where it seemed like God is not moving. And remember this even in your own personal walk. That there will be those times that seem like God is a million miles away. But you never give up on the promise of God. You, you keep believing. You keep expecting God to move on the scene on your behalf. Amen. To reveal himself to you. Now, the coming of the promised son was past due. It seemed like it would never happen. And so has it been with the church that every move of God, you know, has uh, seemingly in the past just become another Ishmael, the son of a slave girl, uh, another denominational move. And men settled down to just, uh, well, we thought it was going to be the revival that would produce the, 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 the coming son, but... It just produced a son of the slave girl, another denomination, another child of the bondswoman. And uh, so, and while Brother Branham felt certain there would be no denomination that would follow this, you know, that we, we find that denominationalism and its sectarianism has done its damage and it has divided us. You know, sectarianism is uh, when a group a uh, people is devoted to a particularly narrow tradition or belief system. And, and they, those who carefully adhere to one particular sect, they'll actually feel hatred or bigotry toward those of uh, other sects. And, uh, you know, it's like a little cancer. A little cancer comes in there. First, it's a spirit. And, and remember this, when we go to dealing with things, first of all, everything, it, you know, the origin of it is a spirit. Even sickness in your body, that's a spirit. Jesus never did say, um, you know, you epilepsy go. He said, thou devil go. You know, he never, he never dealt with even the paralytic one. He never did say, um, you know, uh, and call it by a scientific name. He, he would say, you know, thou demon, loose her and let her go. You know, all of these things, you know, he recognized it to be a spirit. And uh, so he said the, that little cancer comes in first it's a spirit then it gets into backslidden cell or bruised cell or cell that's not operating right. And that's what happens in the church when he, when he gets someone failing to operate with the church, someone failing, pulling off and getting indifferent. That's a cancer in the church. It's a devil in that person. And that causes the whole church to be sick over it. And of course, as we look at the, the church today, uh, of course, uh, the, the church has been in a very sickened condition because of denominationalism and sectarianism. Even within the message, as we pull off in our little camps, 
rather than staying with the pure word of God. And today the sons of Ishmael on a natural scene, they fight as a cancer over the inheritance that belongs to Israel. On the spiritual side, how many Ishmaels have risen up dividing the body and causing hatred and bigotry? But you see, you, you see again today, there's where it wants to come right down to just point out and, and make us think that some man-made move that it all gravitated toward is, was really God's purpose and God's design. But I want you to know that that was never God's purpose. God had never ordained an Ishmaelite. He, he blessed it and he said, I will bless it. I'll, I'll honor your efforts and all of that. But that was never my promise. My promise was never to, to bring a message and it just died down in a little denominational move and, and, and a little sect out there that is isolated from everybody else. My promise was, was to bring forth Jesus Christ back to the church. Amen. Now, so, so again, you know, the thinking of, of Sarah comes up. Oh, you know, that the, the anointing, well, that's for Hagar. They, they're the anointed ones at the end time. And, and then we want nothing to do with the anointing because we see over here Hagar blessed. And, you know, she had angelic visions and, and visitations and the voice of God spoke to her. And, and so then we want to discount the voice of God and, and, and God, the angelic visit. Well, it's never happened to me. You know, I'm Sarah, and it's never happened to me. So you see, that's the, for the false anointed one. No, it is for the true anointing. And today, Sarah is having her visitation from the angel of God. God did not leave her alone. Neither did he just put the anointing upon the false. But the anointing was actually sent for the true elect. That's who the anointing is for. Amen. So you see, again, she would think, you know, the anointing, that's for the Ishmael. That's for the bondswoman. That's for the denomination. We don't want to have the anointing. But Christ, the son of man, the word said, no, Sarah, it is for you. And it is for your children. It is the anointing that will break the yoke of unbelief all of your life. It is the anointing that comes down to prepare you for a body change. It is the anointing that we have received. Receive grace upon grace and with favor upon favor. You are not a people void of the anointing, Sarah. You are a people that the anointing was sent for. While speaking in tongues and prophecy and gifts in the spirit, uh, that's for the, the Ishmaelites, the Pentecostals. That's only for Azusa Street. Just, just let Hagar and her sons do that. They're the heir of the promise. You know, divine healing, that was for tent meetings and, and healing revivals of the 40s and 50s. It's, it's not possible today. We're too mature. We're, we're beyond that. It's, you know, those, those uh, expectations of miracles can't be in the church. We don't expect any miracles. We're too old for that. No, Sarah, that's your story. Amen. Just as the deep mystery truths of the word are yours, so are the promises of the spirit are yours. Amen. You see, Sarah had to take the book.
for herself. She had to quit looking off to another age and realize the promise is now. That's where I want you today. I want you to begin to look at the promise as being now. We cannot put it off. We cannot be, you know, if you want to say, you know, well, you're like the, the Pentecostals. You, that's what you are, Brother Tim. You're just like the Pentecostals. No, the Pentecostals are praising God for what he did and thanking the Lord what, he, what he's going to do, but ignoring what he's doing today. I'm saying today we are in the bride's revival. I am saying today, amen, the anointing is here. I am saying that today is the day of miracles, the day where not just mysteries of truth are revealed, of the great, great revelations of the word, but the mystery truths of healing and miracles and signs and wonders are also ours. We got to quit trying to pass it back to Hagar. That's for Pentecost. That falling out in the spirit, that was only for the Methodists. That's like saying believing on Christ is only for the Baptist. You see, none of the promised word is closed to her. It has been opened. And this is what Sarah has to do is take the book, the whole book, Denominations have been built on partial truths. The reason why we're not building a denomination and going to a rapture and we're going into a rapture is because we are not building on partial truths. Partial truth causes denominations. But when the fullness of the word comes, it's a quickening power to a rapture. And that's where we are. Now, in condemnation by representation, I'd like to share Brother Brandon's prayer. Granted, Father, heal all the sick and the afflicted. Bring back the old-fashioned revival type of people today. Listen, he didn't just say bring back an old-fashioned revival. He said the old-fashioned type of people today. And bring them back to original Pentecost. Bring them back to the blessings Bring them back like Pentecost that fell in A.D. 33. Give them the Pentecostal blessings. May the power of God come in the church. May there be divine healing gifts give to the church. May there be speakers with tongues, interpreters with tongues. May there be gifts of prophecies and all different manifestations. Not make belief, nor try to believe, or put on. May it be real, genuine, coming with the word. The word of God made known, prophesying things that come to pass. You said in your word, if there be one who is claims is supposed to be a prophet, what he said, don't, if it don't come to pass, don't hear him. But if it does come to pass, then hear that prophet for I'm with him. God, give us them kind of prophets. Give us the real kind, the kind that speaks with tongues, the real kind that has interpretation. Granted, Father, heal the sick and the afflicted. Make yourself known among us, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you see, the angel is trying, he is there commanding Sarah, take the book of inheritance. You are to be the mother of this. It is to come through you. 
the promised son is to come through you. Let me tell you, the return of Jesus is going to come through the church. Hallelujah. Amen. The rapture is going to come to a people who are alive and remain after coming to the Lord. Look at it. Here again, the angel is handing the book as represented by John there who represents the church. Even as Sarah represents the church, here the, the you know, the, the John is the, um, the one who the angel is trying to hand it to and John is representing the church. And as he does, as he does there, he is told and commanded, take the book. Amen. This is what he was saying to Sarah. He was coming to bring her recognition. Amen. That the book of inheritance that she had given away to Hagar was hers. And that she couldn't give it away. Come on, church. She could not give it away. God would never recognize it. He had a name in that book. And it wasn't Hagar. The name in that book was Sarah. Come on now. And none of her unbelief was going to erase it out of that book. Look at this book. Sarah, your name is in it. When did it get there? When did my name get there? When, When I started believing? No. Down there at the altar when I prayed through? No. Listen, if you're, let me, man, let me make this clear. If your salvation is in the temporary, then your salvation is only temporary. But if your salvation was in the eternals, then your salvation is eternal. Right? Amen. So again, you see, again, when it, it didn't happen when I started believing. It, it, if, it, if it got root when you started believing, then it can be taken off when you start doubting. And I want to get something to you. All her doubting and putting it off to somebody else did not erase her name off the book. When God has a plan and he's predestinated a people, there ain't enough devils in hell that's going to stop it. Hallelujah. His word will prevail over your doubt, over your fear, over your unbelief. God did not just now find out you were coming. Your name was written in heaven before the foundation of the world. That's the Bible. Amen. God did not just start compiling this book. That's why we've had to change a few, uh, a few words in some of the songs. Is because, you know, there, there again, it's, it's sung uh, with, a, with a denominational twist. Of, uh, there's a new name you know, written in glory and it's, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. No, His, the, the name wasn't written when you were at the altar. The name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And God can't change his mind about you. 
you can't make a mistake and God X you off his list and scratch your name out. No, if he said you would be there, you're gonna be there. If he predestined Sarah to be the mother of this race and in the book, at some point she was gonna have to take the book and see her name in it. Even though it was too late, 90 years old. But with God, he's always on time. He's never too late. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one and verse three. Why don't you just give me verse one and I'll start there. Ephesians one and one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, not by the calling of man, to the saints. We don't become saints after we die. We're already saints. Amen. With the sanctified ones, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, this, this, was, this was exactly the position of the first church. The last day church has to come back to that same position where that they are blessed with all spiritual blessings in their position in Christ. Amen. That's what the message does for you. It positions you in Christ. It makes you know you were, you're not an accident. God didn't just certainly th- suddenly think of you. He already had your life pre-planned. And he knew exactly the moment that would be right to interrupt sin. Amen. And interrupt the, the curse that was upon your life from your natural birth. He knew exactly the moment to step into your life. Amen. It looked like it was too late for Sarah, but it was the exact moment for God to step into that life and take the book and say, here it is. See your name in it. Sarah, take this book. It is your inheritance. It's not for the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterian, the Catholic, the, hey, the children of, of Ishmael. They, it is not theirs. It's your inheritance. Now, so see who he's addressing here. Now, he's not addressing a bunch of babies. These are the saints. These are the faithful in Christ Jesus. They have been set in heavenly places, and they have been blessed. And he, you know, and, and, and he says, you know something, you've been taught, you've been saved, but I want to tell you what it's all about. I, I want you to put your feet up in the heavens a little while instead of being so earthbound. And he says, I want to give you a little something that, a little boost, a revival, a little stimulation that kind of builds you up, especially when you know it's the word of the Lord, it's thus saith the Lord. Now, I want to speak to you, you that sat in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, been blessed together with all spiritual blessings, the gifts of God manifesting, divine healing, prophecies, everything going forth. Now, you're grown-up people. Now, listen, these are the kind that are grown-up people. 
That's what the early church was. They were grown up, so this was there. And he said, I want to talk to you. I want to address this to you. I want you to know you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. You're chosen for this moment, for this moment in time. No matter what the circumstances are, you have been chosen. Now, of course, of course, he had chosen us in him. Now, who did? Well, you know, I tell you what it was. I heard the altar call and, and I came. Let me tell you, you didn't even seek after God. The Bible said that no man seeketh after God, no, not one. If there's a hunger in your heart, amen, that there is a God that is calling upon you, knocking at your heart. You never sought God, God sought you. Salvations of the Lord, all of it. It wasn't what you did, it's what he did. When you were unlovable, he loved you. Amen. When he, he was on the cross, the song says you were on his mind. But before all of that, before the world began, you were on his mind. You were chosen. Amen. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So you are chosen just to make sure you understand failure is not your name. Amen. Chosen is your name. You are chosen. Do you see this in the Bible? You are chosen. This is your identity. You were chosen as part of him. Before the foundation of the world. So failure is not your name. So don't identify yourself with your past. That's not your identity. Amen. Your name isn't defeat. Amen. Well, it can't be me. I, you know, Sarah said, I, I'm unworthy. Unworthy ain't your name. Quit saying that's who you are. Well, I'll never do it. Don't, don't say that. That's not you. Don't call yourself names that the Bible doesn't call you. The Bible calls you the faithful in Christ Jesus, the chosen in him, the beloved of the Lord, elect of God, predestined from the foundation of the world. This is what God calls of you. This is what he thinks about you. Your name is chosen. And you, and you say, well, but I'm unworthy. You know, unworthy is not your name. Amen, your, your name is not unworthy, you are holy. Look, look in 1 Peter 1.16, but he that called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of walks of life or conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So he said for you to be holy. Not be defeat, not be unbelief, be holy, blameless. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, he did not choose you because you were blameless. He chose you to be blameless. Amen. He chose you. Listen, he never said you're blameless. And you're, you're you know, hey, I, I, I really got something here to work with here, Sarah. You know, you're a 90-year-old woman. This is going to, this is really something to work with. God said, I'm not looking at your 90-year-old condition. 
I'm not looking at your past failures. I'm not looking how many monthlies had passed and, and nothing happened and there was no pregnancy. I'm not looking at your past. I am looking right now in the book. And the book says you are the mother of this new race. The Abrahamic race, the people that believe God. In fact, the matter is, your name is Joy. Amen. Because once Sarah got to believe and she started having joy spells. Hallelujah. When you start believing, you'll start having joy spells. Amen. She even had dancing spells. Amen. Remember, the reason I'm having dancing spells, the reason I'm shouting is because I've seen my name in the book of life from the foundation of the world. That's what made Sarah rejoice. The old bitter woman had nothing to rejoice about sitting in the tent. Hagar's took her place. Ishmael's become the son. She's uh, totally outside of the book. The book of the inheritance looks like it's left her out. But that was man's thoughts. That never was God's thoughts. God's thinking was, I haven't left you out. In fact, I've included you in the last day when the church gets so old and so decrepit and so unbelieving and so bitter in her unbelief that in that moment, I'm going to take and bring a message back that is going to transform her back to being a young person again, that she'll be the same as when she was married on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah, a new bride. Jesus said to his disciples who were rejoicing, and they were rejoicing because demons was, was subject to them. And he said, don't just rejoice about that. You know, that, that's great to see devils cast out and they were, they were subject to you through my name. That's wonderful, but that's not, not what I want you to rejoice in. I want you to rejoice over something bigger and better than that. And that is you rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Now, for those that are against shouting, when the Lamb opened the book, the whole universe shouted. And if the message of his coming don't make you shout, then maybe you're one of those Pharisees that want to crucify Jesus. But if we hold our peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. Somebody's got to do it. It's going to set somebody with stimulation of revelation Amen, that have caused them to shout and to dance and rejoice over what God's done in the end time. Now, you know, again, how can I help it? How can I help but shout? It's part of the script. It's what's been written to me. It's written in the book that Sarah laughed. That Sarah rejoiced. Come on, somebody. Amen. It was written in the book. Sarah, you're going to rejoice. The barren will break forth with joy. Sarah, you're not going to be this way. Oh, you know, just take this book and look in the book. Because in the book, it 
is written that Sarah will have this son and it's going to cause her to rejoice that even her offspring will be called laughter because God has made us to rejoice. Amen. Oh, stop this rejoicing and shouting, Brother Jim, and those young people going wild sometimes. Let me just tell you, well, I didn't make them rejoice. Amen. I didn't work them up. It wasn't a song that got them going. Come on, somebody. He made them to rejoice. How can we stop rejoicing when God made us to rejoice? I was seen in the Bible. I've been a shouter a long time. Come on. Before the foundation of the world, he saw me shouting. Job said, Job was asked, where were you, Job, when the sons of God shouted for joy? Come on. Amen. I was seen in the book. The book has written of me, and I'm just taking what he said. And when I see that I was back there shouting, and I am now here in time doing what I did in eternity. Because in the eternal ages before, in God's mind, he saw me shouting. He saw me rejoicing over a message. Over a visitation when the Son of Man came, the Word came. And when it came, it made me rejoice. So you see, the sons of God shouted for joy. Brother Branham said, I was preaching one night, and a woman got to screaming and shouting. A little Baptist brother told, told me the next day, I was enjoying your message till that woman went to screaming. You know, that made chills run over my back. And I said, brother, you're living in the quietest world you ever lived in. You don't like shouting here, you ain't going to want to go to heaven. Amen. If you go to hell, he said, there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's going to be noise in hell. If you go to heaven, there'll be screaming and shouting all the time. Why? He said, if that made children up and down your back, he said, what will it do when you get to heaven? You'll freeze to death when you get there. You'll be so out of place because even angels with wings over their face and hands and over their feet and over their face are singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, holy, 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 holy. And it was so loud and so, so great until the temple post moved. He said, God is an object of worship. Listen to this carefully. I'm finishing this quotation. God is an object of worship. God is worshiped. If anything I honor the Pentecostal people for is to let loose and worship God. Now, you know, we got to move in this message that wants to dishonor that. But Brother Brandon said, if there's anything that I honor them for, is, that, is for to let loose and worship God. If anything, if there's anything that I honor them about, amen, then if he honored that about the Pentecostal people, what would he disapprove about some of these marks today? Amen. You know, we spoke about last Sunday about the Nicolaitans. They wanted to dress up the church. You know, they started having dignitaries to come to church and they wanted to be in a more refined, more dignified manner. 
Brother Bradham told us in the second seal, he said, uh, what did the Nicolaitan age ask for? It asked to get away from them bunch of people that shouts and claps their hands and looks disgracefully like they did on Pentecost. Act like drunk men staggering in the spirit and think they didn't want none of that stuff. They said they were drunk. And when the celebrities, and I don't really miss this, may sound crazy to you, but it's the truth. When the dignitaries began to come in, they couldn't stoop to that. So you see, there again, it's, you know, there, there's something about it, about getting rid of your pride, humbling down, amen, letting God move through you, rejoicing over what the world thinks is crazy, amen. But when you bring dignitaries into the church, they want a dignified, formal religion that God hates. Redemption and the completeness of joy. He said they were full of new wine. Amen, that's right. The the wine that come from God out of heaven. He said, you ever see a drunk man? He's just in love with everybody. He don't care. That's the way a man is when he gets drunk on the spirit. And he said, the Bible said, be not drunk on strong drink, but with excess, but be drunk on the spirit. Amen. The spirit of God makes you so drunk You forget all your enemies and everything. Everybody's in love with you. You don't care who's standing around you. You're the biggest man in the country right then. I don't care that your neighbor's sitting next to you with some dignified church. Just let the Holy Ghost get on you one time and see what takes place. You get real good, souse drunk, and you'll see what takes place. You'll say, sister, I got it. Don't you want it too? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's something to take place. There you are. They were all drunk on new wine. And listen, some of you sisters here, did you know the blessed Virgin Mary was in that? She had to go up there. That mother of Jesus had to go up there and be included in that bunch of drunk people so drunk on the spirit till she staggered like she was drunk on whiskey and saw something. And you think you'll get to heaven by slipping over the church and put your songbook under your arm and walking over every Sunday morning, the bell tolls and sit and live and listen at some kind of, uh, some of the, uh, and walk back. You'll never do it. You'll have to come that route because that's the only route God ever laid down and ever has. And you'll walk it or you won't be there. I'm not your judge, but I'm preaching the gospel. That's exactly the truth. The blessed virgin was right there, acted just as idiotic as the rest of them did and just as drunk as the rest of them. These men and women, every one of them was full of new wine. And if God ever changed that program, put your finger on the scripture for me. It isn't there. No, sir. It was plumb on to the end of the age that way, plumb on down to the end of the Bible, and it'll be the same thing when Jesus comes. Amen. Well, after the seals, he taught different. No, he didn't. Go to this day, the scripture's fulfilled and, and just read there where Brother Bradham talks about his nephew that was seeking for God and he said, you know, I've run to pillar to post trying to find something and I've been dreaming dreams of running up to the altar and where he was preaching and making confession and he said, Melvin, no matter where you go, how many churches, how many Hail Marys that you say or how many blessings you get from man, you've got to be born again of the Spirit of God. 
It's the only thing that has satisfied the human heart. I know they got a substitute today of being born again. Just shake hands with the preacher. Put your name on the book. But friends, that's a dogma. It's not Bible truth. If it would, the Acts of the Apostle in second chapter would read like this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the pastor walked out and shook hands with the people but said when the day of Pentecost was fully come at the inauguration of the church, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. That's how the Holy Spirit came the first time. That's how it come every time since that time. He is God and changes not. Now it stumbles people. They say it was for another day. And he said, but he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Every time the church ever received the Holy Ghost, it all always come like he did it the first time under the same prescription. Acts 2.38 has never changed and never will change. Amen. Now, you see, we're to be like a vine that is planted by the rivers of water. A constant renewing all the time. It's like I preached on the Passover. I named it in Passover. You just don't do Passover once a month or once a year, but your whole life now enters in in Christ, in communion and fellowship with him, and you are in Passover. The fellowship never ceases. The communion never stops. The joy never quits coming. The love never, never dries up and fades away. But you know, it's always there. He said he'll be like a man in the scripture that believes all God's word where the power and the nine spiritual gifts can flow through one God into his innermost being. In other words, he will be like a man in the scripture that believes all of God's word. That's the way we want to be, isn't it? Not just portions, not just cherry pick, not just parts that we're going to fulfill. And listen, we're fulfilling the New Testament. Does somebody hear that? We are fulfilling the New Testament. As the groom will fulfill the Old Testament, we are fulfilling the New Testament or the New Covenant. Are you with me? Amen. So everything that was in the New Testament that you read about is actually a type to be fulfilled in this last day. Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. Come on. He cast out all the unbelief of all the seven church ages. You were that unclean woman that had to be made a virgin by the word because God couldn't find one. So he had to create one. And by a new creation, that's who you are today, a virgin bride. Are you with me? He said, in other words, he'll be like a man in the scripture that believes all of God's word, where the power and the nine spiritual gifts can flow through one God in his innermost being. And people don't believe in shouting. The thing of it is, they haven't got spiritual joy. And the joys of the water of life can flow through. And that's the whole what's the matter with Bradham Tabernacle. Because that unbelief, the cares of the world has bound the people until it cannot produce spiritual growth. 
That's what's matter with our nation. That's what's matter with our churches. They have no joy. And the joy of the Lord is departed from them. And that was written one time in the scripture. In the, in the Hebrew word of Ichabod means the presence of the Lord has departed. That's over our churches because we left off the original foundation and placed ourselves into creeds and denominations and per- permitted the things of the world to dry up our experience with God. Now listen, he included his own church in that. That's one thing we don't want to become is indifferent. Amen. Brother Branham said, you know, when they got starchy and cold, he said, I want to drive this home, make you understand. He said, a church of people like this who had received the word became formal and, you know, and, and dried up and become indifferent. And the next thing you know, they were persecuting everyone who wasn't like them. And they were trying to get rid of those who shouted and spoke in tongues and had experiences with God. That was that Nicolaitan spirit that was coming in, trying to take away the joy of the Lord from the church. Amen. Planting the vine and we're to plant it. He said, you feel, you'd like to feel like they did on the day of Pentecost? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you like to have the joy they had? When God poured his life into the first branch of the tree, the tree began to act like drunken people. They staggered under the impact of the spirit. Lovely, holy, little women like the Virgin Mary was out there acting like she was drunken for she was drunk on the spirit. She, and she tried to talk and she could not. She had stammering tongues, which means cloven, cloven like a stammer and trying to say something. She was so full of the spirit, she couldn't say it and he imitates a stammering person. And he said, stammering lips and all, all, all of a sudden with another language, they spoke out. And a little preacher didn't know how to, not to write his own name on a piece of paper, turned over a soap, soap box or something or stopped and jumped on it and said, and, and them unbelievers began to say, these men are drunk, that's a bunch of holy rollers. And that little fellow picked up the scripture, not a creed book, but the scripture and said, you men of Israel, you that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. For these are not drunk as they are. Seeing this is the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days. Come on now. How many believe we're in the last days? Said God, I'll pour out my spirit. That was what was pulsating them. Amen. He said, would you like to be plucked out of an old creed and of some sort and set by the fountains of life? We're peace like a river. That's exactly what happened to us. God plucked us right out of a bunch of creeds and planted us over by the rivers of water. That's what he was doing to Sarah, taking her out of her dead formal condition. I thought about it as I read this. Sarah had to be drunk on something to believe that now a 90-year-old woman was going to conceive Hallelujah, but the son of man was standing there with wine and stimulation and said, take a drink of this. Take this book and eat this book. And when it does, oh, you're gonna prophesy. And what you prophesy will agree with the word. Amen. Think of that. The church... Tells us in this morning age, the church had, to, had begun to spring up 
a root of bitterness. This is what happens. A root of bitterness comes up. We don't want no joy. This is Sarah, you know, smirking at the promise, saying it can't happen. You know, how can a woman my age have pleasure with my Lord? Love affairs over. That only happened when we were young. Yeah, we danced together. We shouted. We rejoiced. And we heard, but now I'm an old woman. I can't do this. It's not possible. It's not this age. You know, it's not, not our time. They did it in other ages. They did it in other times, but not us. And they, but Brother Brandon said, the Smyrna church began to spring up a root of bitterness. And he said, why? It was bitter against those who wanted to continue on with the Holy Ghost. The love had faded away, and they were trying to swap it to creeds and denominations, getting away from the Holy Ghost leadership. That's why the bitterness was in them. He said the bitterness started creeping in. Creeping in. The, the second church a little more creeped right on in because they were making a better church. You know, it embarrasses us for someone to speak in tongues. It embarrasses for somebody to shout. It embarrasses. You know, that's an embarrassment. And, and so they were, they had had, as he said, these dignitaries come in. Great Roman people, great men, cardinals, dressed fine. And he said they got away from all the noise and everything they had very quiet. It showed they were dying. Uh-huh, they were dying. You know, you want to call that, well, we're more mature. No, you're, you're dying. And you got one foot on a banana peel. You see, they were dying. They were so, they got, so they got dignified and they made a better body. And that's what we wanted to do to the message in the last day is just kind of dignify it. Where, you know, we, be, we began to be embarrassed as Brother Branham said, and ashamed of him just before he leaves us, he said, are you ashamed of your Pentecostal experience? Are you ashamed to say, yes, I spoke with tongue. Yes, I believe in divine healing. He said, that's being ashamed of him. He said, it's exactly like that if I would say, you know, to a young boy, this is my son. And he'd say, who, me? You my daddy? Oh, no, you're not my daddy. He said, it would embarrass me for my son to say that. And he said, it embarrasses God when we are ashamed of him. We're too ashamed of our Pentecostal experience. We're too ashamed to have any joy in the church. Come on. Amen. Now, now again, again, there it was in restoration of the bride tree. He said, a dignified group got among the common people. And they said, well, now that's good. You can heal the sick and you can do these things. That's wonderful. But see what we ought to do. We ought to just kind of get it out there. We're a better class of people. Understand that the better class, the mayor, the judges, the dignitaries of the city, and as long as you're carrying on like that, they'll never come around you. They're afraid of you. And somebody spoke out of the congregation and said, they still are. And he said, somebody said that, they still are. I guess that's about right. They're afraid of the Holy Spirit. So I used to sing a song about the old time religion. And it went like this. It's the old time Holy Spirit. 
and the devil won't go near it. And that's the reason people fear it, but it's good enough for me. Amen. So you see, again, that's the whole thing. It, it will make you stop your lying. It will save you when you're dying. It will stop the devil flying, and it's good enough for nothing. People don't want it. Now, in the message desperation, after the token message was preached, he said this ought to cause us to go into desperation because it's the hour and time that the Holy Ghost must be applied. The token, the Holy Ghost must be applied. We're going to talk about that maybe in a little bit. But anyway, in desperations, he said that he read the scripture. And I'd like you to turn with me because it's a favorite of of uh, many of the people in the world today, this is commonly given for encouragement and ought to encourage us this morning. But he says in Jeremiah 29, the 10th verse, for thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. So I want you to know now they had been taken down to Babylon and told they would be there for a specific time. We too, the church, had been taken down to Babylon. Somebody help me preach. Think about what I'm saying. We went down and we were dispersed now among the, the denominations. I mean, Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, whatever, but it was in Babylon. We was dispersed there, you know, taken from the promised land of the word and dispersed out into systems of religion. Down into Babylon. But I want you to notice God only allows that for a set time. And after that set time, I'm going to visit you. This is what he says to Sarah. I'm going to visit you according to the time of life. Again, he says, I will visit you and I will perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Hallelujah. I will visit you and I'm going to perform my good word towards you. And I'm going to cause you to turn, return to this place. I'm bringing you right back to the land that you were taken out of. And he said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Aren't you glad? Amen. Brother Brandon said, isn't that sweet? I think it's some of the sweetest words. I know the thoughts that I think of you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then you shall call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. And you will seek me with your heart and find me and when you seek with me, for me with, search for me with your heart, with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away from you your captivity. And I will gather you from all, let me bring a specific, the denominations. Stop here. Stop here just for a moment. How many, some of your background was Catholic? Raise your hands. All right, one, two, I know another. So, so there again, Catholics. All right, so what, what about you that were Baptists? Raise up your hands. All right, what about, let's just say Pentecostal? 
Raise up your hands. So you see, you were there. I'm going to gather you from all of that. Isn't that what God has done? Yes. Come on. Yes. Amen. You Methodist boy, didn't he gather you? He didn't leave you alone. He knew exactly where to find you to bring you, not to Eden and I Tabernacle, but to this place. What place are we talking about? Coming back? Is somebody ready for it to come back to Pentecost? Where you found from? I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Brother Branham says here, now these are his words, back to Pentecost. So I want you to see this is what he, what he thought of it. This is where you're coming back to. I know the thoughts that I think. I'm going to perform my good word to you, and I'm going to bring you back to where you fell from, back to Pentecost. Amen. You know, again, he said, it, I put that in myself. doesn't say that, but that's what I was meaning to the church. So Brother Brandon's message of what he meant to the church was that the message of God would turn us back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. Sarah, I am returning you to Pentecost, back to your youth, back to when Mary, the mother of Jesus, with 120 danced and shouted, glorified God under the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm bringing you back. You know, some can scream out, no, 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 Sarah, that's not you. You're an old woman. You're too dignified for that. But we're about to lose all our dignity. Hallelujah. The Nicolaitans brought that in. The Holy Ghost never put that in. Amen. The Holy Ghost put freedom and joy and rejoicing and dancing. Hallelujah. Speaking in tongues and prophecy. That's what the Holy Ghost brought in. Nicolaitanism brought in dignity. Dignitarity. I can hear him saying, hey, Sarah, you're too dignified for that. You know, this is not that day. This is the calling out of the bride, not 2,000 years ago at Pentecost, or the repeat or the return. Let me just say something. They're using Brother Branham's words, but let me just say, the devil uses the scripture too. Let me make it clear. We are not repeating Pentecost. This is not another journey, Sarah, where you're just going to be young and yet barren. In this day, instead, Jesus, instead of Jesus just setting as mediator, which he still does, he advances to take the book. I want you to understand, this is not the day of Pentecost because at the day of Pentecost, Jesus sat down as mediator and sent back his own spirit to come and live in the church. Is that right? But this is the day when the lamb takes the book and reveals and opens the book for the believer and then advances and brings the book down, an open book. Not a closed book. 
But every promise of God opened to us. Not a few. Come on. Not just opening up the mystery of who the horse, white horse rider, the red, the black, the pale. That's not it. That was exposing the devil. He is what bringing you back to the mystery of your life. Who you are. Sarah, so you can see your name in the book. Hallelujah. He's going to rapture the names on that book. Amen. The names of the book. That is the believers. That's who's written in the book. And it had to be opened. So we're not just returning to Pentecost. We are taking this places they didn't get to go. We are going all the way to the change. Pentecost, I'm talking about 2,000 years ago, stopped short of the change. They were right on the cusp of it. The mysteries were being given. Predestination, serpent seed, eternal security, baptism in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All of it was there. Every mystery, Paul was preaching them. And he starts preaching the mystery of the rapture. And says, we which are alive and remain. He's right on the cusp of it. He's right on the edge of it. And with all of that word, they start falling. The church. Now, what did you say? We are not just returning to Pentecost. Look at your neighbor and say that. We are not just returning to Pentecost. We are taking this to places they didn't get to go. We are going all the way to the change. We have heard the shout. We are becoming the voice. And soon the trumpet's going to sound. Someone is going to fulfill the words of Jesus that the power of death will not be able to defeat my church. But however, despite all that, all of that, you know, Malachi 4 and the ministry of the Son of Man, he said, I know the thoughts that I think of you. They are peace and not of evil. And it's for the purpose of uh, back to Pentecost. I, I'm going to bring you back. I want to get this to you. Let me stop in a moment. With Israel coming in from Egypt, getting into the land was not all of it. You know, to build a nice home on your own and have your own vineyard and raise your children in the promised land, it's, as I've said, a land of milk and honey. It's a wonderful place. But God's intention was not just to give them a land where that they built a temple and had a synagogues or, or they had, um, they had uh, their own piece of property and, and married and given marriage and just had children and generations. And go, no, he had brought them back to that land to receive the Messiah. To prepare them to receive the Messiah to come. I want to say to you, 
God has not just given us this land so that we can have our own churches and fit it with pews like we like and set church order the way we want it and have our forms all set up the way we like them and we have something called a message church and we raise good kids and we have a church society that helps one another. That ain't why God brought us here. God has brought us here that we might see the Messiah that the promised son. would come otherwise it's all for nothing you might as well have stayed in your denomination they had better churches and better facilities and better this and better that aid societies but God has brought you to this land of the word that he might reveal to you the Messiah, his plan, his purpose, and then you as a revelation so that he could come for you. So he could give you the book of redemption. So this is not just another Pentecost. This instead, are you ready for this? Is the Pentecost of all Pentecost. This is a super Pentecost. This is when the day of Pentecost has fully come. Hallelujah. There were partial comings in the past. Come on, somebody that we're still prophesying of something greater to come. But we're not prophesying of something greater to come. We have arrived. We are the church. We are the people who will bring forth Jesus Christ back to the earth again. We're the people of the rapture. The other instances of Pentecost we're only a shadow of us. A shadow is, it's, it's, it's something that comes between that and as the real thing approaches, you see something like it come. The shadow is not the real thing. The type is not the real thing. If it was Abraham, it would have ended with Abraham. So Abraham was left there as a type to say there's going to be someone, this is going to be fulfilled in a greater way and a reality. Now hold that thought for a moment. The other instances of Pentecost were only a shadow of us. They were only prophesying of us. I want you to look at it for a moment. Acts chapter 2 is a prophecy of us. The Pentecost, 50 days or seven weeks after the Passover and leaving Egypt, when they have their first Pentecost, was on Mount Sinai and God married Israel and wrote his law on stones, gave his word on stones. And then there was 
Again, another Pentecost. He was only prophesying of a greater Pentecost. Because in that Pentecost, there was 3,000 there that died when they made the golden calf. And then you come right down along the line and, and now you come all the way to the days of Jesus and it's prophesied of a greater Pentecost. And then there was, there was Jesus' death, the Passover lamb. I mean, he's with me now. And as the Passover lamb, um, there he died. And 50 days later, his spirit or his anointing comes down and, and brings and brings uh, uh, there the spirit of Jesus. And now God writes his law on flesh. So this one was only foreshadowing another. That would be greater. But can I just say to you, this, this, it was only foreshadowing another greater Pentecost. And we are in the greatest Pentecost, the greatest jubilee that there has ever been. Right now, going on, right now. And you expect us not to shout? And you expect us not to rejoice? We are in the jubilee of jubilees. Hallelujah. When those who have been enslaved, come on somebody. They were enslaved of sins and so were we, but when we were also enslaved of unbelief, come on somebody, down through seven churches, we got enslaved in systems of man, but what did God do? He has sent a jubilee trumpet that says lay down your home. You don't have to belong to Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic. You don't have to be enslaved anymore. Come on home. Take your inheritance. Throw down your hole. No. Just prophesying. Now, 2,000 years ago, we, the Passover lamb came. Paul said he was our Passover lamb. He said Christ, our Passover. So you see, we have now come seven weeks and now after seven weeks after Calvary and Jesus, where Jesus became our Passover lamb, his anointing comes down and brings to us an open book that is saying to the church, Sarah, take the book. This is a full inheritance. And and I just want to say, Sarah, this is the greatest day of your life. This is not just a day that the lamb takes the book. This is even greater than that. This is the day where you take the book. This is our wedding day where us and the word become one. Where God materializes himself in bride form. This is the last days that we're living in. And it is greater than the day of Pentecost. Remember, this is not just a repeat or the return. This is more than that. We are living out and it's greater than the day of Pentecost. Even though that that is the alpha 
and we are the omega, then yet there is something that has been left for us that they of the first age did not obtain. This last day is greater. I want to say it again. It's greater than the day of Pentecost because that gave us a deposit on our inheritance. I mean, believe that. But I want to say this is not just another deposit. Amen. This is the receiving of the full and complete inheritance. Hallelujah. This is where that people in the last day take the book of title that Adam lost, that a man took for us, which was Jesus Christ, and he comes down with his book, come on, and he hands that book of title on the earth. Can I say the title to your earth is in it? Therefore, when you completely receive possession of that, your body is going to be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye and will no longer be under Satan's grip. I want to get it to you. They received a deposit, a deposit. You're not in the day of just receiving the deposit. Now, individually, you must receive the Holy Ghost and have the deposit, and that deposit is on the change of your body. That just as God saved your soul, you're going to have full and complete redemption. Amen. And, and the adoption, that is the change of our bodies. Somebody with me now. But now we're talking about the church and the church coming down now. We're not speaking of individual and individually receiving the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the move of God in this day and hour. And remember back on the day of Pentecost, he gave a deposit saying there's something greater to come. Now, you know, exercise just something a moment and let's turn to 2 Corinthians 1 and 21. Now, he which established you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. So what established us in Christ and what is, who has anointed us, that's God. Who hath also sealed us and given us the, help me now, earnest, of the spirit in our hearts. Now, an earnest is money in which purchases are given as a pledge or down payment that the full amount will subsequently be paid. Amen? So again, you know, it is, it is a deposit on a promise. Amen? Now, if you go with me to 2 Corinthians 5 and 5, and now he that will offer us the same spirit uh, is God. He's given us the earnest. I'm sorry, I meant Ephesians 1.13. And whom you have trusted, after that you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom after you believe you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. 
So he said, I'm giving you the Holy Ghost you have received is the earnest of your inheritance. Amen. It's the deposit that is going to be left with the church until the full possession comes, until the title is handed over. Somebody with me now? Amen. So this is not a repeat of Pentecost. Why? Because this is not a deposit on our inheritance. It is the coming of the full and complete inheritance. It's the bride's calling. It's the marriage of the lamb. So do we have something different? Brother Bradham said we do. Oh, and you think, well, what is it? It, It's the seals? Yes. The thunders? Yes. But let me just say, the early church didn't need the thunders and seals. It wasn't sealed to them. Amen. They didn't need the book open. The book was open to them. They had the revelation. Come on, somebody. No, they didn't know the church ages. They didn't need to know the church ages. They had everything they needed to go in a rapture. Except us. So the church would go through seven church ages and then gathered up those names on the book because God's determined there's not going to be one left out. Okay. So what do we have that's different? Brother Tim, you said, you know, yeah, we got the thunders. And the, and the seals, but they didn't need them. Well, let's stop just for a moment. God didn't want them to know there would be seven church ages. The devil would have done great damage with that. Nobody would have died ready. Nobody would have been prepared. So every age died ready to come up. Amen. Now, so God hid that from them. And and in fact, from what we know of the book of Revelation, it was written even after Paul was off the scene. So, you know, there's a whole book that's written after Paul is gone. Paul never mentions the seals. He never mentions the seven thunders. Peter didn't know them. None of them knew him. It was not to be known. In fact, the matter is, when when John was going to tell it, when he got it, and he heard it, and he was going to write it, and he said, don't do it. It ain't even for this age. It will be kept silent until the days of the voice of the seventh angel, and when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God will be finished. So hold that quiet. Until the last days. And when it's the last days, it's time to let them know it's the last days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to let them know where they are on the mount. Come on. It's time to let them know where they come down through seven ages. It's time to let them know. 
there's a cycle of his coming and the silence of his coming has been broken as the seventh seal opened. The seventh seal didn't start silence. It ended the silence. What God had held quiet and silence now become uttered. What do we have different? You know, listen, this is what some are saying. We're not to return to Pentecost. They're right. We're not to repeat Pentecost. They're right. But they're trying to place that in a wrong way. They're trying to say we're not to have the experience of Pentecost. And Pentecost, that experience is for all generations, is for all people. It never ends. Every person must have that Pentecostal experience, but we are not merely repeating Pentecost. We're not just going back there like they did. Stop for a moment now. So what do we have that's different? What sets us apart from those on the day of Pentecost. Listen, we have the same deposit, the Holy Ghost. We still have the same repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. Brother Brandon said the word that, that fell on the day of Pentecost won't work for today. So what word was it? Repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, or you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What, which one of those words won't work? What Brother Brandon was saying is, that it's not that the truths that they had won't work today, but God is not repeating that again. This is not just going to be another shadow, another foreshadowing of another age. This is the Pentecost of Pentecost. Amen. Amen. This is what, listen, what do we have different? The lamb in our day. I want you to get this. By revelation, through a prophet of God, the lamb, heaven moved as the lamb took and opened the seals. Say, Brother Tim, we have the mediatorial work. Yes, we do. Amen. Just because he did the purchasing work at Calvary don't mean his purchasing stopped. When he started mediating. And when he mediates don't mean when he moves into the realm of, of, of where that he has taken the book does not mean he stops mediating. In fact, it's as mediator he takes the book. He doesn't do it as a, as a he, he does it symbolically as a man, not as God, as a lamb. So he shows it symbolically, a mediator. Lamb is mediator. But what is it we have different? We have the lamb after seven ages taking the book, tearing off its seals and, and handing over the title deed. The one that Adam lost, the one Jesus paid for, and it's now back in the hands of men and we are commanded to take it. And the lamb is poised or positioned 
to call for the names of all of those that are in the book to come and stand by his side, which by the way is the rapture, and to gather the bride of the New Testament and Old Testament to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So what is different? Here it is. Soon the Lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. Amen. All the host of seven ages, it will be. It's going to be a glorious sight with all the saints in spotless white. And with Jesus, we will be eternally. You see, this time, hold it. This time, it's grain again. Just like that grain back there. But this grain is predestinated not to fall. Amen. That Pentecostal church went into the ground as a seed and was planted. But this time, the grain is to be raptured into glory without death. What a difference. Sarah, you'll not die. Sarah, you're not going on into death. But there's an anointing that has come down. Hallelujah, that has learned the thoughts and intents of heart. The Son of Man revealing himself. What's now? And as it does, it parts a message to her of transformation, a message of change. You see, I saw another mighty angel descend from heaven with the title deed, kinos, pouring out the complete fullness of redemption, placing the feet of his body upon the sea and the the land, swearing by himself, there will be no delay. It's time to finish this. I've come down to finish what I gave back to Abraham years ago. I've come now to finish it. Amen. Sarah, now step into the prophecy. The book is open now for you to see your name in there. Amen. The book is open to show you all these Hagars that are not the one I chose. Come on, somebody. Amen. The one that I chose, amen. Sarah, you're the one. And it's the hour of fulfillment. And I want you to finish it with laughter. I want you to finish it with great joy. I want you to finish it with faith. I want you to finish it with power. Amen. Finish it with the bondswoman and her child cast out. And you see your place in the book. And go in a rapture. Hallelujah. Are you with me, church? That's the hour we're living in. Now, let me just read it to you and trying to do God a service without his will. The day of Pentecost, the Spirit directed it right into that, Joel 2.38. The Spirit, the day of Luther directed it right into that. Wesley, this last Pentecostal move, but this is another age. This is the calling out of the bride. Not 2,000 years ago at Pentecost or the repeat or the return. Now, men run with that and say, oh, no, we're not to have Pentecost. No, we are to be Pentecost. The Pentecost of Pentecost. But we are not repeating, nor are we just returning there. What would prompt Brother Brandon to say this? Now, I'm trying to close, and I I, I will. 
I'll let you know when. But I want you to get this, I want to finish this thought. What would prompt Brother Branham to say this? What, and, and I just want to ask you, what could be greater than the Spirit of God coming down into a person? Think about it. It seems like this would be the greatest of all experiences. What would, what would be greater than deity coming down on the inside of your soul and possessing your mortal body? What would be greater? Oh, it filled them with such joy. They spoke in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance and glorified God. But this is not a repeat, nor just a return to Pentecost. It is not the initiating of redemption. It is the finishing up of redemption. Now, think of some of the displays of God in the past. And I'm just going to take you on a little journey. It won't be long. It'll be a short one, each one. Think of the, this great uh, displays of God in the past. Let's go back to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. What could be greater than God descending on a mount and the glory of the Lord coming down in a cloudy pillar and quaking and trembling and the mountains trembled in God's voice speaking from that. How many would agree that would be a great moment? How many would like to see that? Amen. What would be greater than God taking his majestic finger and taking stones and writing his laws in it? I say that would be a great moment. And I say if you were living in that day, you would say, what in the world could ever be greater than this? This is the apex. This is the top. This tops off everything. The cloudy pillar coming down, flashes of light, thundering, the voice of God being heard. God taking his majestic finger and writing his laws. Why? Well, you would have been thought blasphemous to come out and said, you know, Brother Aaron, you think this is great? It's great, ain't it? But there's something coming greater than this. Oh, wait a minute. You're devaluing what we've got. You're, 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 you're diminishing. You know, you're, you're dismissing how great this is. No, we're not devaluing what you, ha- what you have at all. But what could be greater? His coming as Jesus was greater than him coming down on a mountain and writing with a finger. God came and revealed himself in Christ. That was only a portion there, there on Mount Sinai. Now here was the fullness of God being manifested in Christ Jesus. And Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. Amen. He, he calmed the storms. He, he healed, healed the ears of the deaf. He, he opened the eyes of the blind. He did all of this. He, you know, and you wonder, what could be greater? What could be greater? Oh, you're that poor blind man. Oh, since birth. Now he sees what could be greater. What could be greater than these miracles? What could be greater? What could be right? It's God with us. 
Do you know John? Out here, it's, it, you know, Job is in the boat with us. It's a great moment, ain't it? Yeah, but there's something coming greater. How in the world can you say that? This is the greatest moment that a human being could ever have was to be right on the boat with Jehovah himself. Now you can look, and you can look back at that and you say, his death was even greater than that. His death was greater than opening the blind eyes, making cripples walk, common stormy seas. His death was greater than that because when he died, he paid for my sins. So now that we have something greater, so what can be greater than him dying for me? His resurrection. His resurrection was greater than that because if you just, just died for your sin and your sin's past was taken care of, what about your sins in the future? Amen. But his resurrection was greater than his death. And if you can receive it, his ascension was greater than his resurrection. And his coming back on the day of Pentecost was greater than all of that. Because if he did not come to dwell in you, it was in vain for him to die. If he just went back into heaven and disappeared, we would be in a bunch of trouble today. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? that was greater than his work at Calvary. And it was, but let me just say, it could have never been done without his work at Calvary. You see, one was making the way for the next. So the lesser was making way for the greater. Come on, church. I'm looking back at Pentecost back there, 2,000 years ago, that's the lesser making way for the greater. Amen. Now listen, you see, because if he just, if he hadn't poured out his spirit, there'd have been nobody cleansed to receive it if he hadn't died and shed his blood. And we'd be in the same trouble that they would have been in the Garden of Eden if they'd have taken from the tree of life and ate without Jesus dying to cleanse for sin. They would have lived eternally in sin. What if we'd have got the Holy Ghost without Calvary to cleanse our sins? We'd have been just like that. Hold your thought. I got you listening. So, yet the coming of the Holy Ghost for God to come and dwell in men was a million times greater but it could have never happened without Calvary. Just as the law was part of the process, Calvary was a necessary part for without the shedding of the the blood of the lamb and the slaying of the life, it would have never been released to come back on the believer. Jesus said, if I don't go away, if I just live with you from now on, the comforter can't come. But if I go away, 
I'll send my spirit back to you, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. But as long as I stay here, Jesus, we want you to stay here. This is the greatest thing. God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. He said, no, no, I've got to go. Because there's something greater coming than me. There's going to be an experience greater than you walking with me on the shores of Galilee. I am not going to just walk with you. I'm going to be in you. Hallelujah. Amen. Giving you an overcoming life. It won't be me saying, don't do this, don't do that. Let's walk here, let's go there. This is the will, this ain't the will. It'll be me and you. But what could be greater? That deity coming down in a pillar of fire and birthing sons and filling them with deity. And them staggering drunk under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Yet Paul says that this is only a deposit. What you received is just a deposit. It's a down payment. It's not even close to being the full payment. Somebody help me preach. Pentecost received the deposit. We must receive that deposit too. Amen. But in this day, there's more than the deposit. Amen. There's a people that comes into full possession. Somebody with me? Amen. Brother Branham said in the invisible union of the bride, he said, here come Luther out, reformation, his words, his church, his won't work today. Wesley's won't, Pentecostal's won't. It worked in this day, then their day. This is another day. This is the opening of them seven seals. I know that sounds strange to you, but God did vindicate it so perfectly. There's no question in it, just perfectly. Now, Brother Branham is saying here, he said, their words, Pentecostals' words of Azusa Street, Methodist, Wesley, won't work. This is another day. This is the opening of the book. The revealing of those seven seals. I know it sounds strange to you. And even now, we, we have difficulty wrapping our minds around it. Amen. It sounds strange, people, just like when John came out and said, behold, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And they said, oh, what do you mean? We've had the Lamb of God all of these years. We were told by Moses, bring one, examine him. Must be without blemish. We went through this tradition for of Passover for years. And you mean there's a greater Lamb coming than this? Yeah, and he looks out and says, behold, the Lamb. Because here would be a lamb of all lambs. Here would be a one without blemish, greater than all of these. More holy than any of these. Somebody with me now? Now we've had all this preaching all these years of what he did at Calvary. A lot of people stop there. They don't preach what happened in the upper room. Amen. They, don't, they just talk about forgiveness of sins. And well, if you believe the message, you've received the Holy Ghost and, and then bypass completely the upper room experience. You know, Peter even had a revelation. You say, well, we got revelation, Brother Tim. We don't have experience. We got revelation. Well, Peter had a revelation from God and still didn't have the Holy Ghost. Is that right? They weren't converted. But the church world says, goes right on. Well, we believed on Christ. We've accepted him as personal Savior. We got the Holy Ghost. And when we believed, you do not. 
So they avoid Pentecost altogether. And then we have some that go as far as Pentecost and say, well, we have the upper room experience and they go no further. But he said, it's another day. This is the opening of the seven seals. I know it sounds strange to you. Listen, the devil does his work. The devil got in those priests, in those high priests that, that told them, just keep the law of Moses. You know, don't, don't accept this new covenant. He had to explain to the Hebrews. He said, listen, we got something better. This is greater. You ever read the book of Hebrews? It's all about greater and better. We got a better covenant. We got a better sacrifice. We got a greater tabernacle. We have a greater priesthood. Everything, this is better, this is better, this is better, this is better. Today you look out there, yeah, 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 of course this is better. What are you talking about, Paul? Paul was talking about a bunch of people that Satan was in their ears saying, you know, just keep the law of Moses. And Paul was having to say, listen, this is better. This is greater. And the devil will do everything he can to see that you don't understand the greatness of the lamb taking the book and loosening the seals and handing you the title deed. So we come right down the same point. And now there's a further work of the lamb. And he's opening the seven seals. I know that sounds strange to you. How could this be greater? Think about it. If you was walking in the glory with, the, with them on the road to Emmaus, and the glorified one came walking with you after the resurrection, and you recognize and know he, who he is, the glorified one, the resurrection, you could say, what could be more awesome than walking down the road hand in hand with the glorified Christ, sitting there and watching him Break off a piece of bread, hand the wine to us, and multiply it like he did. Well, what could be greater? What could be greater? Well, the answer to that is the resurrected one coming to live in you. Now you're saying, well, what could be more awesome than Pentecost? What could be more awesome than what happened 2,000 years ago? I'm trying to tell you, but don't be dull of hearing. The opening of the seven seals because it's the handing back of the entire inheritance. It's not just another deposit. Come on, church. Amen. That means that where they are, they only got a deposit, but you receive the fullness. Amen. That means they got the earnest and the claim on their mortal body, but you by receiving the same earnest or in this day and hour are receiving a message that is changing you. Amen. That will glorify your body. That will bring the dead out of the grave. Amen. Notice now, it is the time where the angel stands at the maturity of times when it goes back to its original condition. Back to where Pentecost was. And now where they fail, we continue on. Where they went down and started church ages, we end the ages by taking a rapture. Hallelujah. This is where we're at, church. Amen. This is where that you are no longer a part of the fallen world. Come on. 
Amen. You're not a part of the fallen world. Sodom is fulfilling this part. It is falling worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And get the days are getting more and more evil. But that's not you. You are the people of the rapture. And you're not going down. You're going up. Hallelujah. You're going up. And you're going up. You are rising. You are not falling. You are going forward. You're not going backward. Hallelujah. The title deed that was lost by Adam has been opened and handed back to your possession. And to show you how close we were, God showed you the power of this word. It will create squirrels. It will take tumors out of a body thousands of miles away. The word going forth, unlimited by distance, time, space. Out of that, moving into the eternals right down to a little woman and vanishing a tumor. It'll cause a resurrection of a little fish. It will speak to storms. It will bring the lost to be saved. Come on, church. You're wavered children. That's what it was. We're right here on the cusp. And this third pool ministry does what? Amen. It shows us if it can create a new squirrel out of nothing. Come on, somebody. Amen. So it will also quicken your mortal body. If it can resurrect a little fish, it doesn't matter how long you've been gone or how many piles of bones you are and scattered across the earth, you're coming forth by the power of this word. Hallelujah. If it would stop storms there, it'll stop the storms in your life now. If it would go forth and heal the sick, it'll go forth and heal the sick now. It will save the prodigal. It will save the prodigal now. It shows you that the book is being handed back. The title deed is being handed back. And it's saying, Sarah, take the book. Take the book. Become one with the book. Eat that book. Digest that book. Feed on that book. And be the last prophecy. For you're the last part of the word to be fulfilled. This is not a return to Pentecost. This is going beyond. Hallelujah. Where they went down, we go up. Hallelujah. Can you worship the Lord with me this morning? Let the musicians come. You are the people. You are the people of the open book. You're the people of the word. Amen. Look here, Sarah. Take it. If it says I can shout, I got something to shout about. In fact, it don't even have to tell me to shout. The very response Amen. When I see my name in the book, when I see I'm part of the bride in this last day, it gives me reason to shout. I don't have to have music to pump me up. I don't have to have a preacher to work me up. Amen. I have a joy on the inside of my heart, and it's got to be expressed. I can have every promise that God made. And we are now the singers of a new song. 
the debt is paid. Amen. For him to take the book, he had to place his blood on every seal. And the Holy Spirit opened that seal and uncover what the Antichrist had covered up. Amen. To give you the secret, the mystery, where that it's revealed to you in this day. Yes, the people of the book have returned to the land. Not to give us a new church. Not to give us a different place to meet. Not to give us nice pews. Not to give us nice families. All of that's in the land. Not just a divine healing. This is not just another divine healing campaign. This is the divine healing campaign of all campaigns. This is the jubilee of jubilee. Come on, somebody. Think about what I'm talking about for a moment. This is, this is the healing line of healing lines. This is the miracle of miracles. Amen. This is the change of change. Is somebody with me right now? Realize where we are in time. Amen. This is not another divine healing move. This is a move where all, even the dead in Christ for 2,000 years will raise up. Amen. Those with gray hair will come back the right color. This is not one or two like Smith Wigglesworth. Stick out your tongue, boy. And he reaches and grabs that tongue. And he talks perfectly. He said, you'll preach the gospel. Boy with an impediment. This is not another Smith Wigglesworth. This what we have received is the title deed to the inheritance. Do you believe it? Then we ought to rejoice in it. It all lays in the word. It lays in what's been given in this day and hour. Every bit of it. And it's open to you. Walk in. God bless you. Oh, I'm casting all my cares on you.